My story is different. Like your life has already been written. The book has been written. You're just going through the pages. Be yourself. Follow your story and be true to yourself. You know, don't let anyone tell you to be anyone else. Be you. I still talk to my coach to this day. I appreciate him for building the stepping stones for me to create my basketball career. If it's not difficult, then I don't want to do it. I don't like things that are easy. You know, you got to be focused. You got to have tunnel vision and don't let anyone get in the way of your goals. Because that's what's a sales job. You got to present a certain amount of numbers to keep your job. Otherwise, they send you home. You're obviously playing basketball in NBA Rockwork in Portugal, but you've played sort of across Europe, almost going east to west. Um, you've played in Armenia, you've played in Moldova. Of course, now you're playing in Portugal. Me personally, I plan on helping basketball out in Portugal. I have to have one of my teammates translate every practice, every timeout, every huddle. There's less dribbling in, in Europe and more passing and cutting. Like They were looking at anybody who was darker than them in a different way. It's crazy. It was a game I'll never forget. I was getting double team, triple team. I was talking a lot of crap and I was scoring. Hey everyone and welcome back to a new episode of All About Sports, the podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, let me quickly remind you of what we did last week. Last week, we discussed the 2022 Australian Open. We covered the entire tournament as well as the some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, of course, talking about Rafael Nadal's 21st Grand Slam, but also talking about some of the incredibly good performance by the Australian players this year, of course, Ashley Barty and Nick Kyrgios. But moving past last week's episode, let's get into this week's episode because it's a really special episode for us. We have Eugene Campbell III on our episode today. Eugene actually is a professional basketball player He's played in Moldova, Armenia, and now is actually playing in Portugal for NBA Rockwork. He's a phenomenal, this is a huge honor for us to get a professional basketball player in-house, so we really appreciate you playing. We want to go a little bit into your broader history and how you got into the game, how you got to where you are right now, Gene. But before we get into all that, how are you doing? How's your day going so far? My day is going great. Like I said earlier, I just came back from the gym, so I'm feeling good. Got a lot of energy. And I'm ready to tell you guys my story. Perfect. Thank you so much, Gene. So as we get into kind of your story, you, you shared with us a little bit about, you know, how you got into basketball. You're from New Jersey. You're now in, you know, playing across Europe. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into falling in love with basketball? Because that wasn't the sport you initially started in growing up. Yeah. So I started falling in love with the game of basketball after I got cut from high school. I think that's the the moment in my life where I had a chip on my shoulder and I just felt like I felt disrespected due to the fact that I was cut in high school because I felt like I was better than most of the kids that they cut me for. So it just gave me a drive to just start striving for basketball. And then from there, I just fell in love with the game. And if I'm not missing, did you start when you were much younger playing baseball? Is that what you initially, was that your initial first sport you were like most into? Yeah, I was definitely into baseball uh, as, a, as an adolescent. Uh, I played third base and I played pitcher, and it was the sport that I was taking seriously at the time. Well, way before basketball, so. No, that, that's completely fair. Now, you spoke a little bit about, you know, how you sort of, what your big transition was and what the point is where you started to really show your passion and drive for basketball. I believe that was when you sort of joined junior college. Can you talk a little bit about what your experiences were in junior college? How you kind of, what changed for you? What you changed in terms of, um, practice or what you change in terms of your mentality that kind of helped you develop in the player you are today 
and what junior how junior college had an impact on you junior college had a big impact for the simple fact that my coach from our junior college came from a division 1 program he coached in bowling green and then he coached in seton hall so he was a big time d1 coach and he had a lot of experience for high ncaa level so he brought that type of mentality to the junior college so we were division 3 juco athletes but we were he was treating us like we were division 1 athletes so he we carried ourselves at a higher standard and it definitely carried over to the next levels of basketball in my life so i like to say a big shout out to coach jackson he definitely groomed me as well as the other players to uh become better men and just better basketball players you know a lot of junior colleges they don't really run their programs in the best way and they don't really help out their their players after you know college i still talk to my coach to this day we still have a relationship so i appreciate him for you know building the stepping stones for me to create my basketball career for me to uh build and grow because he definitely gave me the confidence to you know believe that i can take basketball to the next level and what are what are some of the differences because for those you know people who are looking to debate you know who are looking to go into junior college what are some of the big differences you saw that your coach was instilling versus some of the other junior colleges because it seems like there was a pretty big void because i'm guessing a lot of the junior college coaches maybe aren't ncaa or de- definitely not ncaa division 1 coaches i would assume not a lot of them not all of them no not even close so the main difference with him was you know we did pregame meals a lot of coaches don't even have pregame meals we did pregame meals uh before every game whether it was in a away game or a home game um we had study hall not a lot of junior colleges have study hall he emphasized study hall he emphasized the weight room you know he gave us opportunity to get shots up after practice like consistently he also had summer workouts a lot of junior college coaches don't even have workouts in the summer it's basically once the season's over we'll see you in september for tryouts he actually had a lot of open runs and a lot of workouts over the summer so he carried himself like a division 1 coach for sure and brought it over to junior college i think across sports with whoever we speak to one of the biggest influences seem to be that coach that you have either at the end of high school at the start of college or at that junior college level so it's always good to hear when there's we every athlete you speak to the, the influence of that coach in between before you go professional is has such a big influence on your career so it's always good to hear um when there's a great coaching experience that you have i want to keep going a little bit more on this on this educational front gene because one of the things that you spoke about is a challenge that every athlete will face in their life right the challenge of dip- choosing between academics and athletics or sports right and there's always going to be a little bit of a tussle between those two because at the end of the day you have a finite amount of time and a lot of times people will decide to go completely in one direction or completely in the other direction which you know means a little bit of sacrifice which is always going to be a challenge for athletes you of course have have first hand knowledge of what that challenge takes can you speak a little bit to it and maybe some advice for future athletes on how to manage that balance so the balance is uh, essentially time management you got to make sure your your time management is, is is set you know when you start your day so you got to make sure you get the proper sleeping you got to make sure you set alarms you got to put things on your calendar just to remind you of things that you have to do don't spend too much time taking breaks don't spend too much time doing something that's not really that important towards your goals you know also don't spend too much time studying because you know that's not good for you as well 
studying too much, you won't be able to recite the information as well. You know, study for about 30 minutes, uh, take a break, do something that you want to do, uh, eat a snack, you know, watch a TV show, then, then go back to studying. Don't overstudy, don't overwork yourself. You know, take small breaks, but not too long of a break. The, the overall aspect of balancing being a student and an athlete is, is essentially time management and just don't let the distractions get to you. You know, you got to be focused. You got to have tunnel vision and don't let anyone get in the way of your goals. And it's an attribute that I think carries over through life. Because one of the things I've noticed, I, you know, I never played at a very high level in college, but I've, I've got, or, or in school for that matter. But I've gotten to work with people who are college athletes just in, in my work. And there's a definite dramatic difference in how college athletes or even, you know, even maybe very serious high school athletes manage their time. They just have to because they have to manage training before school. They have to train, like figure out right after classes how to get a fit, fit a training in or fit maybe even some kind of rehab in. So they just are more efficient at time management. And it's really critical, I think, if you want to get anywhere um, in, a, in a, an athletic front. So we appreciate that guidance um, that you have, Gene. Yeah, it's very important. Very, very important. No, and, and Gene, so we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, your background, your education, you know, a little bit of that aspect. Let's get into where you are right now. You're obviously playing basketball in um, NBA rock work in Portugal, but you've played sort of across Europe, sort of, you know, almost going east to west. Um, You've played in Armenia, you've played in Moldova. Of course, now you're playing in Portugal. You know, it's a known fact that there are, you know, there is a lot of basketball culture that's pretty prevalent. We're getting to see more and more of it through the NBA with players moving, you know, from the Euro basket. Can you talk a little bit about the cultural influence that basketball has? Because sometimes you might think that in the countries that you're playing, Portugal, for example, football, maybe a more, or soccer would be more, you know, prevalent, but it's a really growing culture. Can you speak a little bit about the culture of basketball in Europe? And then more specifically, how your experiences have been different as you've gone through these three countries? What's some of the minor like changes you've seen culturally um, that you've had to be aware of? So I would say, let's start with Moldova because that was the first country I played in. I want to say basketball is definitely slowly growing over there. Um, when I was there, it is not the most you know popular sport. Obviously, football is. You know, football is mainly popular in every European country for the most part, you know, except for like Spain. Spain is like really close with basketball and, and soccer. But um, football was the, the the primary sport, but basketball is definitely a, a growing sport in Moldova and we have some pretty good fans. It's still it's still a work in process, like a, it's still a work in progress. It's still got a lot of potential and got a lot of work to do, but it, it was growing and it's still growing. Uh, it actually got better this year than when I played. So. Um, in due time, Moldova is going to be great for basketball. They got a good owner in the federation. I'm actually really cool with him. I was talking to him today. So um, with, with, with the right people, you know, on the staff, like anything is possible. You just got to have the right people running the federation. That's what I feel like, in my opinion. If the right people run the federation, it can grow. It can grow as big as it can be. And uh, so let's go, let's talk about Armenia. Armenia was definitely um, pretty big with basketball. They had a lot of fans. Um, people who travel from different parts of the country to come watch some of the games. And, you know, the games on YouTube would get about, you know, five to 6,000 views per um, game, some nine, 10 K views per game. So a lot of people in Armenia were tuned in to watch the games. Uh, the camera crew was great. The film was great. And the, uh, the atmosphere was a little bit different in Armenia. 
uh, I guess, you know, seeing a, a colored man in their, in their area wasn't really the most popular thing. That's the best way I could put it. You know, I was looked at like someone who stood out, you know, a lot of people over there look the same. And when they see different people, different type of people, they tend to stare. You know, I never questioned whether it was a negative thing or a positive thing. But, you know, you can't help but to notice when someone is just staring at you while you're just eating or just staring at you as you just walk into the gym or something. But, you know, some people stared and didn't say anything. Some people say hello. You know, you just got to roll with the punches, whatever comes your way. I didn't really let it get to me, but I did notice that, you know, compared to Moldova. Moldova was more like, hey, how are you, American? Can I take a picture with you? Can I have your autograph? Like, it was more like I was a celebrity over there. Armenia was more like it was some people that definitely looked up to me. It was a couple kids that knew who I was. Like, you know, one of the kids, like, he said, oh, you're my favorite player over here. Like, he asked me to play one-on-one with him in one of the gyms. So it was a good experience for him to, you know, play with a pro athlete from America. He probably never did that before. So, you know, it was cool making his day. But a lot of, I would say a lot of the older generation in, in uh, Armenia, like the older people, they were the ones who stared. The younger generation, they didn't really look at color as a difference. They, uh, they were more modern and adapted to the new ways of society. That know, is really... Sorry, I was just, that's really surprising, especially when you think of basketball, because even, you know, in, in European countries, Eastern European countries, you do generally see that you would have at least a few people who are not white, right? You, you probably have a few black players, you probably have a few um, players from even Asia, but it, it is surprising to hear that, especially in the sport of basketball, it seems sort of surprising. And it wasn't only the, uh, the African-Americans. It was the uh, there's a lot of people from Iran and Pakistan that were in Armenia and they were looked at in a, in a, in a way too. It, it was more like a skin color thing, not even necessarily a black or like an African descent person. Like they were looking at anybody who was darker than them in a different way. It's crazy because a lot of the people from Iran and Pakistan were more complexion or darker. So they were just looked at, just looked at for, for a long period of time for no reason or whatever reason they had. No, that is pretty yeah. strange. Yeah, is Portugal better. is Portugal better in, in that in, in that Portugal aspect? It's a million times better. They don't see color here; they just see people. And I'll be honest; these are the nicest people I ever met in my entire life. I don't even I don't even want to go back to the to America. Like these people are so nice. Uh, they treat me with the utmost respect. They they treat me like family. From the moment I I flew out here, I was I felt like family. It felt like home. You know. That, that's great. I'm not sure if your family in Jersey is happy to hear that. I, I'm pretty sure they, they, they'd like for you to, to be back pretty soon. Um, what's your so experience? So it's, it's, it's only been half, you mid-season, right? This is your first season in Portugal, is that right? Yeah, I came in second half of the season. I played in Armenia until the end of December, and then I came directly to Portugal. Got offered a better contract in Portugal, so I took advantage of it. That, that completely makes sense. And I wonder how much of an influence does, because like you said, right, Span, in Spain, basketball, the basketball culture is, is pretty big, right? Especially with, you know, Real Madrid um, obviously has, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I know Luka Doncic played there, Facundo, Campaso as well. Um, obviously, Spain is, has a big basketball culture. I'm guessing that's also permeated pretty heavily to the Portuguese culture. Have you sort of seen, like, bigger maybe viewership more fascination with basketball in in portugal in general yeah i've seen um they actually have an nba player from portugal now i forgot his name but i know he plays for the sacramento kings 
And uh, he's he's pretty good. Um, that's like a big trademark for them. That's a big deal for Portugal to have their first NBA player that's a Portuguese native. So they're grown, you know. That's the big talk. I see a couple of the kids with his uniform on, and um, that's pretty big. Me personally, I plan on helping basketball out in Portugal. I plan on helping the youth out. Um, I already helped some of the, the, the kids out at practice. And I want to use the resources I have to help them out because they have potential to grow very big. And they have some beautiful people that, you know, go out of their way to make sure that everyone is good. Like, I got people that are part of my club that, you know, they're so concerned about making sure I'm okay that sometimes it gets annoying. I'd be like, I'm all right. I'm good. But it's, it's the fact that they're just so invested in making sure that I am comfortable and I'm good. And I really appreciate that. So these are some really good people. These are some really nice people. That, that's great to hear. That's, and I've, in general, I mean, I haven't been to Portugal, but I've only heard, heard good things about Portugal and experiences that people have had there. Is the name Nimias Keita? Is that the right name? I don't know if that's the player who's currently playing for the Kings. It sounds like Nimias Keita, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he's number 88, I believe. Correct. I think you're right. Yes, yes, yes. It is yep. 88. Yes. Just look yep. at the images right now. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Um, first he's player to get drafted to the NBA, so it's a big deal. I know it's a big deal for every country because I remember when the first Indian born, because there was one player who was from India but wasn't born in India, but recently yeah. against... Seven the, foot, right? The, correct. Seven foot. Correct, yeah, correct, yeah. correct. And he was also drafted by the Kings. Um, it yeah. was a big deal. It was a really, really big deal. I remember yeah, feeling... I remember. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of excitement. So um, I can empathize with the excitement that the Portuguese fans have as well. Um, Gene, so you've kind of got experiences on both sides of, you know, the Atlantic Ocean, right? You, you've played basketball in, in the US, right? You've played at the junior college level, obviously, with your coach being an NCAA coach. You've had some line of sight into what NCAA basketball is like. Can you speak a little bit to the differences in how basketball is maybe some of U.S. basketball culture versus Europe Europe basketball culture? Because that's a big conversation, especially for players moving over from Europe, especially if you coaches moving over from Europe, right? Some of the differences in how basketball is played, some of the basketball culture. Anything you can tell us about that? Um, it's definitely more one-on-one game in American basketball. There's more dribbling. There's less dribbling in, in Europe and more passing and cutting and just, you know, working to get an open shot or working to get an open layup opposed to creating your own layup and your own jump shot. So that's the, the major difference I've seen. Also, in Portugal specifically, they focus on defense. They emphasize on defense. They will play you up very close, very aggressive. They let a lot of fouls go in Portugal that they normally would call in other countries. And defense is like the big thing over here for sure. And me, I'm the only American on my team, so I get double teamed every game. It's difficult for me to score, but I'm a natural scorer, so I still get the job done. But uh, it's difficult. Every game, I know I got to work hard to score and do what I got to do. But if it's not difficult, then I don't want to do it. I don't like things that are easy. So I'm cool with it. I think every pro athlete wants that challenge. Like it's almost not fun when you don't when you don't have like a bit of a challenge. You like you want to score on two, three. No. So that that completely um, the, the, that completely makes sense from you know especially where you've come from right you, you've come from a tough start right you after getting cut you know in in, in school so you you always will want that challenge um i do want to ask you know again sort of on a similar theme what some of the challenges are playing not at home because you're not you're pretty far from home um which i know is always challenging for a lot of athletes but it's a decision that 
a lot of athletes have to make very honestly a lot of times you may not necessarily have the resources maybe that you need where you where you are from or maybe not even resources maybe the best leagues or the best option for you professionally is in a different place what are some of the decisions that that what are some of the challenges that you face being sort of far from home? i think spoken to a little bit of it you know from your our media experience but anything else you can speak to that's been kind of tough being away from home and just any guidance you can provide to other athletes who kind of might have to make the same choice in their lives um it's just the foreign language that's really the main issue communicating with your teammates and the coach and people around you uh going to public places not being able to speak the language and having to communicate is very difficult at times you know i'm learning the language so it's getting better but you know especially at first i didn't know what they were saying i didn't know what was going on so communication is definitely the biggest issue i mean unless you're playing in maybe the uk where they speak english or even if you're in a spanish speaking country where that language is not too far off from english and you know you were taught the basic of spanish and and states so you know people have an idea of certain words but when you go to these european countries where they speak completely different languages it's not really the, it's not really easy you know what i'm saying i played in moldova where they spoke russian and russian is a very difficult language to understand as well and armenian language is very difficult as well so you know that's the main issue it's not really an issue but it's definitely an obstacle No. No, that that makes sense. And when you so right now in your in Portugal, are most of the players and coaches coaches Portuguese? I'm guessing there's decent number yeah. of other country. Oh, it's mostly Portuguese. Gotcha. Yeah. Got it. I wasn't sure if if because I I wasn't sure how much of because I'm assuming you have some players outside Portugal as well, but it's probably not a very large number. It's like other European countries, but not a whole lot of outside Europe. Maybe not a whole lot. Yeah, so I have one teammate. Uh, he plays. He played in Brazil. He's from Brazil, but Brazilian language is the same as Portuguese, so he's still able to communicate with them. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. That's true. Yeah, I, I think what we commonly see. I'm using soccer as the reference, but a lot of Brazilian players often play in Portuguese teams or eventually move to to Spanish teams. But again, maybe Portuguese Spanish have some similarities that you can sort of go off. But uh, that does make sense. <laughs> Brazil and Portugal. They speak the same language. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, that's especially why I think a lot of players from Brazil went more to Portugal, and then a lot of other Latin South American countries they play in. You know, the players, professional players, often move to Spain because then the language like, barrier isn't an issue. Like maybe England play basketball, they're still going to speak English. It's just a different type of English, but it's still understandable. I still understand what they're saying. i can definitely uh, understand that that challenge and it's it's especially tough with coaching you know you have to get instructions from coaches you have to get getting coordination and managing teamwork with other teammates but not speaking the same language i can understand that as being pretty challenging our coach speaks very fast portuguese so it's very difficult to understand and uh, i have to have one of my teammates translate every practice every time out every huddle so I just got to really listen and focus. There's about maybe five or six players on my team that speak pretty good English. So it's not really too bad, but when the coaches is talking, you know, that's very important. So I got to really pay attention. No, I I well the good news is you probably are picking up a little bit of different languages as you move across. So, you know, as you kind of move across your language, your linguistic skills are getting broader and broader and and bigger and bigger and, and learning to learning to understand or at least speak pretty quick Portuguese, not just learning to speak Portuguese, but learning to pick it up to some extent at a very quick pace um and i and i wanted to ask you know I, 
what you said actually is what I've sort of commonly heard. Ball movement is a big part of European basketball, right? The, the amount of ball movement and really, you know, I know every NBA team preaches this as well, but the European basketball really, really implements this culture of really keep moving the ball till you get the get to the open man. Um, I, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think, especially in basketball, there's a bit of a challenge that players face when they're finishing high school. I think a lot of them maybe choose to go to, you know, colleges and do NCAA. But now I think the culture is changing a bit, right? Because theoretically, you don't have to go to college. You can spend one year playing in Europe. We saw, you know, Lamelo Ball, you know, spending some time in Lithuania and then Australia. We obviously know the Luka Doncic's, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's, like Facundo Campasso, uh, Tio Dosic. You know, they've all had experience playing in Europe. And in a lot of ways, it's um, more valuable in the sense that you're playing with adults. You're not playing with people in their same age category. You're playing with adults in that entire time. Can you talk to a little bit of that decision-making and any guidance you can provide to athletes on that front, either, you know, at the high school level or even, you know, currently debating between playing in Europe versus playing in, say, the G League or one of the development leagues in, in the NBA? I feel like if, if an individual wants to pursue a college career then and they want to get some education, you know, get a degree so they can fall back on their career just in case it goes left or just in case injuries happen, I would say go to college. You know, because if you get hurt, your contract is done. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you get hurt early in your career or you have a fatal injury. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at Zion Williamson. Like, he came into the league. and He hasn't even had a healthy season since he got into the league. And he was the number one draft pick. He was probably going to be the future of the NBA. I mean, he still has a shot because look at Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons got hurt too. And he, you know, started developing over time. But, you know, anything can happen. You know, you're the best you're the best player in high school, the best player in college. You go to the NBA and you get hurt. So a lot of athletes need to understand that your career is never guaranteed. You can get hurt today. I can get hurt today. My career could be over today. You never know. You know, knock on wood. But um, just just note the fact that if you have your education to fall back on, God forbid anything happens, you'll always have a backup plan. You know, I encourage athletes to go to college because, you know, it's, it's, it's a good decision to make for, for a plan B. You know, we shouldn't always rely on basketball for everything. Um, the overseas route is, is good as far as, okay, I'm seven feet. I know I'm going to the league. I'm the number one recruit in the country. You know, I'm going to get my feet wet. Let me just play pro for one year because I can't go straight out of high school because the rule got changed. And uh, it's a good experience. You'll be able to learn a different type of basketball along with you what will you already know from the United States? So you'll get to get the best of both worlds at the professional level. And then when you go to the NBA, you can combine both your skill sets. So I think that's a very good idea for someone who's a league prospect. For someone who's a division one prospect, but not quite a league pros- prospect, I feel like they should play a couple years of college to develop and to uh, get more confidence before they just enter the draft or try to go play overseas, you know? Because once you play professional overseas, you can't go back to college. Your college career is done. So you got to make sure that you you know that you're making the right decision before it's made. That definitely adds up. I think, I think a lot of it's, – it's such a challenge because players are so young. I mean, they're all like 15, 16. So it's, it's, it's a really tough decision. But I guess if you want to be a pro, those are the tough decisions you kind of have to make at that age. So that's helpful to know and hopefully helpful for anyone who's kind of has to go through this decision making. Um, we usually go into, we, we, we go into a rapid fire, but before that, you know, Gene, 
as you kind of talked about, there's life outside athletics. There are a few things that you're doing outside of basketball as well um, that you are trying to develop, you're trying to build. Can you speak a little bit to both your clothing brand as well as your non-for-profit organization and what you're doing in those arenas? Yeah, so my, my clothing brand is called Different, as you can see. You know, my story is different. Um, my, my clothing brand is based off of my story, uh, how I came to be a professional basketball player, and it's to inspire people to be themselves. You know, a lot of people who try to be like this person, try to be like that person. I want everybody out there to just be themselves. Your story, like your life has already been written. Your book has been written. You're just going through the pages. Be yourself, follow your story, and be true to yourself. You know, don't let anyone tell you to be anyone else. Be you. And that's the main reason I started that. So what I do is I have merch. I host basketball tournaments. I have showcases to help people get to the college level, help people get to the professional level. I host events where people get seen by different coaches, all different levels of basketball. And I also put teams in men's leagues so I can give players the opportunity to be able to play basketball that don't want to play professionally. Some people out there just like playing basketball for fun. And, you know, they don't really get the attention and the social media buzz. So, you know, I put, you know, teams together in men's leagues that have photographers, that have videos. So amateur basketball players can have fun, too, and get that media presence, you know. No, that's really helpful because you get to see when you're, when you're playing at that level, you want to be able to showcase it because sometimes you have to show film and things like that. So it's always helpful to provide that. No. Because that, everybody's not able to play professional basketball. There's a very low percentage. So there's people out there that love the game, but they know that they're not good enough for it. And they decided to follow another passion, which is understandable, but they still have love for the game. So I like to provide people a chance to showcase their talents at their level. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone, I mean, I could speak for myself and I know everyone who, who I do this podcast would absolutely love that to, to showcase what we got. I mean, we might, depending on who we're playing against, we might get killed, but at least we'd have footage of it. So something to show, which that's, so that's really cool and um, really appreciate everything that you're uh, doing, Gene. So Welcome on Our Shoes is my nonprofit organization. I started it in um, 2019. It's a 501c3 and uh it's basically a community service, uh, giving back shoes and clothes to those in need. Uh, we actually had an event on Saturday in the biggest city in New Jersey, and it was a great outcome. We actually had um, donations from a big a big uh, sock corporation company called Smartwool, and they donated some socks uh, to help us give out for our community service. It's, uh, it's a new community service that's, that's getting a lot of buzz. And it's growing really fast. And uh, soon we're going to be doing community service around the world. I'm already talking to some people in Portugal about my club doing one. So, you know, it's making big moves for sure. That is awesome, Gene, because we know like players, they just, they, they wear through shoes and socks so quickly and shoe prices aren't getting any cheaper. There are some cheaper alternatives, but shoe prices, sock prices, they keep increasing. And I think every parent of any kid who's trying to play sports just knows how many shoes and socks are needed. They just, especially basketball, you essentially tear through your shoes pretty, pretty quickly. So that's a great cause. And we'll obviously leave all of Gene's information in the bio so you can go check it out. Um, this, cause this is really, really amazing stuff. Um, Gene, appreciate, really appreciate your time. Before we sign off, the last segment we always like to do with our guests is a quick rapid fire. Um, it's meant to be a combination of just sort of, you know, fun stuff, you know, that you've experienced so far. Um, just your first, you know, first thought that comes to your mind, nothing intense. I'll get into some of the questions that we have. It's a few, like seven or eight questions. 
So let me start off with what's your favorite memory playing basketball? Your favorite memory, like maybe it was a great game, maybe it was as a kid. What's your favorite memory? Favorite memory is definitely scoring 57 points in Moldova. My career high was on fire and it was a game I'll never forget. I was getting double team, triple team. I was talking a lot of crap and I was scoring, you know. So that's the way. I mean, if you're scoring 57, you have to talk a little bit. I mean, otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to. <laughs> Um, okay, um, we kind of mix it up between you know sports and non-sports. So, what's your favorite and least favorite foods? My favorite food right now is definitely like a good veggie burger. I love a good veggie burger. I'm actually a pescatarian. I don't eat meat. Okay, so, and I've been a pescatarian for about five years. But it's there's nothing more appealing to me than a good veggie burger. And my least favorite food is probably homemade pudding. I don't really like homemade pudding. It's kind of nasty to me. Yeah, it tastes a little funny. Yeah. That's, Portugal's probably a good place to be pescatarian, I would assume. I don't know, but I'm assuming seafood's pretty good in every place to be pescatarian. Uh, I actually have, um, I eat in a seafood restaurant every day. They they actually do a lot of fishing here because, you know, it's on the Atlantic Ocean. And they have some really good fish that they get straight from the ocean. And they don't put any seasoning on it, just sea salt. And it tastes very, very good. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, that's what I've, I've heard. Again, I haven't gotten the opportunity to travel to Portugal yet, but I, I definitely heard very good things about the seafood. So, um, perfect. Okay. Um, back to a, back to a sports question. I think you maybe already answered this. Your best game that you recall. I'm assuming this is the 57-point game or is there a different one? Yeah, it's probably my best overall game. I would say in college, I scored a career high of 35 points and we won the game. So that was a very good game. We, we, that was the first time we beat that team in a couple of years, like in the history of the school. So that was definitely a big one. Something I could brag about. Was junior college for you in New Jersey as well? Yes. Got it. Okay. So was that another like college rival in New Jersey? Yeah, it was a, it was a rivalry. Yeah. So, and we, and we went to their house and beat them. So it was definitely a good game. Yeah. That probably feels pretty good. Nice. Okay. Um, so, Gene, we obviously saw some of your highlights based on Armenia. And one of the things we noticed is you shift up styles a bit. You sometimes do the inner shirt, like the AD style, or sometimes you're going just, you know, the normal, just the basketball shirt. What's your preferred style? Because I see you kind of switch between the two a little bit. Depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the day. I don't know. <laughs> I like to switch things up. <laughs> That's the way to do it. You kept me guessing and you're keeping everyone guessing. So I like it a lot. That sounds good. <laughs> um, okay. Favorite sport outside of basketball? Uh, I like to box. Uh, boxing is definitely fun for me. It's definitely a stress reliever. And it's something that um, I picked up on big time over the summer. My uncle owns a boxing gym. So over the summer, I was just, you know, doing a lot of exercising and training in there. So definitely a sport that I picked up on that I like. Gene, thing you miss the most about Jersey? Thing I miss the most about Jersey is the people who speak English. <laughs> just being around people that speak English all the time, you know, and just some of the resources. I miss my car, you know. I miss driving my car, and uh, the sauna. They ain't got a sauna over here, so when I when I get back to Jersey, I'm definitely gonna be in the sauna. That was definitely like, you know, good for my body after games and um, workouts. That's that's completely fair. Do you get to go back every summer or so? When when do you get to when do you usually get to go back? Is that like a what's your off season? What's the time that you might be able to go back? 
uh, in the spring. And then I usually go back. Well, I mean, I only been playing overseas for a year and a half now, but I got a couple job opportunities lined up, to be honest. So I'm probably going to be playing overseas for the next couple of years for sure. Uh, keep building my resume. But uh, I'll be home from spring to about August, September. So that's when I play in the Pro-Am. So summertime basketball in Jersey and New York is beautiful. Uh, I get to play in West Fork, Rucker Park. I get to play in um, a couple Pro-Ams that I get invited to, like, around the United States. Uh, one in Tennessee called uh, Southeast Pro-Am. Definitely going to be playing in there. Uh, they have a, pro, a Pro-Am in Louisiana called the Z League. I'm going to be playing there. They have a Pro-Am in Las Vegas called Desert Rain. I'll be stopping by over there. So summertime basketball is definitely fun in the U.S., um, camera crews go crazy over there. Ballers life is going to be there. Uh, it's just fun. It's just fun um, playing loose basketball. You ain't got to worry about having a certain amount of stats. You know what I'm saying? Like, because basketball is a sales job. You got to present a certain amount of numbers to keep your job. Otherwise, they send you home, you know? So it's no pressure. You're just playing basketball. That's right. I haven't obviously, I haven't, I've never played in those games, but just watching the games that I see, you know, the, 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 when they show the footage from those games kind of online, it is kind of fun because you also get to try out stuff that you maybe don't want to try out in game or live. You get to try out some stuff. You get to experiment a bit. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Gene, last question for you on the rapid fire. What is a song that you have on repeat right now? Song on repeat. Hmm. That's a good question. I would have to maybe, uh, I like G Herbo. G Herbo is one of my favorite artists. Um, probably G Herbo. I want it. I listen to that song often. He's from New York, right? Is he from New York? He's from Chicago. Oh, he's from Chicago. I should know. I'm based in Chicago. I should have known that. Anyhow. Anyhow. Gene, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate your time and taking the time out of your schedule to speak with us. Uh, we'll leave all of Gene's information in the bio so you can go check it out. You can follow more about his story, learn more about him. Um, but with that, we're signing off for this week. We'll be back next week with a whole other episode. Gene, thank you again. Hope you have an awesome week. Uh, and take care and stay safe. It's been a pleasure, man. It's been it's been great telling my story. Um, my story is, is definitely one to inspire others. And I appreciate your time and I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a blessing. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a like and share it with anyone else who might be interested. You can also subscribe on any social media platform that you prefer. And all our links are in the bio. We also have a website with all our episodes as well as blogs and a whole lot of other sports content. So make sure to check that out as well.